Michigan criminal defense attorney Bill Amadeo is standing by in cell block S. The jail visit starts now on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. I am... I am... That runs, does it? No. All right. We're live now. Happy? I can't find my normal glasses, and the live audience was zero help. What the hell's up with that? Wait, I think the volume was off. Ah! Excuse me. Sorry. This is why Matt asked if my was a mental thing. Alright. I can't find my regular glasses, and the live audience is less than helpful. Thank you. Why are you so. I mean, help me out. Can I not work my ass off today? I can't do everything. He takes a lot of stress off me. All right, I'm Bill Amadeo from, you know it, right? Big Madison Amadeo and Grable Associates and Six. Shiawassee Six. You hate that part. No, I, it's cool. You, you come around there? Yeah, I like it. All right, today we're going to have a bartending party going wrong. But first, my boy Mike McCartney. Um, yeah, Chris Kite, we were jamming. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm writing questions for a case tomorrow. And Matt McManus walks in, he goes, Bill, how's your mental doing? Hey, Emily Thomas. We had like an 80s um, thing on, and I was screaming toy soldiers. I'm so worn out right now. And you can't help me find my glasses. I'm sorry. These are backup pairs, guys. We know that I see things in reverse sometimes, so I need these. Anyway, Mike P. answered the cameo story for The Sopranos. I will do one on that, Mike. Let me just briefly tell you about it. Me and a couple friends in Jersey decide we want to be on The Sopranos. And they had a casting thing for extras. We went up there and we got picked. And I think we made $48. We paid like 108 bucks for parking. Wow. And we were hanging at the bar with the guys afterwards. And um, they really thought they were mafia members. They really lived that part. But I will get into detail about that. But tonight... And I'm so exhausted, you know. Yeah, I know. I mean, so tired right now. Yeah. Attorney General's not sending back emails. Um, Good to see that. Today we're going to talk about a 2006 party going wrong. Have you guys ever went to a party that just took a weird turn? You? Let me tell you. In 2006, I was in law school. And I came home for term break. And mom is really sick, right? And I was spending all my time at mom. Um, I don't know how sick she is, but I'm spending all my time with mom. And at night when she went to sleep, I went out with some friends. And there were two geeks that I went to law school with that were from, like, the suburbs of New York. And these guys thought it was the coolest thing in the world to go to a casino. Now, as somebody who grew up in the casino industry, eh, you know, it's, it's like some people like going to clubs, some people don't. It's just... Casino wasn't my thing, but I always liked gambling. Poker was always my thing, right? I was a good poker player. Not Raquel Munoz-like, but not bad. <laughs> Raquel has beat my ass. So, I go... To the Brigada. At the time, the Brigada was the best casino in Atlantic City. And the suites in the Brigada, oh my god. They were huge. And amazing. And I'm playing poker. And I'm throwing a few hundred dollars down on the table, which was huge money for me back then, right? And the geeks I'm in law school with, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. And this one guy used to play poker. If he comes up to me, he goes, hey, B, what's going on? We shake hands, do the New Jersey pound, you know, one of those things. And um, he goes, hey, there's a huge party up in the suite of this Brigada. Huge party. Okay. Listen, we have some issues, though. What's going on? You're a basketball fan. This is the 2006 NBA playoffs, and I'm betting on the games. He goes, listen. I got a proposition for you. 
We got big screen TVs up there. We got good food. There's Swedish meatballs and all this mini steaks and all that stuff. We don't have a good bartender. He is quick cash gig for you. Now, guys, I'm in law school, right? I just spent hours making $250. I mean, is that what I made today on DHHS case? Oh, I'm like, all right. I'm thinking to myself, shit. I walk with a thousand fifteen hundred dollars up there. Free bar, wild casino players, hotel room. I've been here before. I bartended before law school. I'll get back into the swing of things for a night. What the hell? Now the geeks with me, and they are geeks. <laughs> Let me be very clear. They are like in all. Holy shit. B is going to bartend at this suite, the Brigada. And my friend, and I'm not really a friend, my poker acquaintance, he says to me, okay, B, one thing, it's going to be a wild night up there. I know you've been through some wild things in your bartending days. And let me, before we really dig deep here, right, because I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I went up there to bartend. That's what I went up there for. Mom is sick. I'm in town. I'm thinking I'll make some quick cash. I'll watch the games. It'll be a good time, right? The thing about bartending, guys, when bartending is your full-time gig, you hate it. But when it's a part-time thing, it's the coolest job in the world. You know, you're making the drinks, you're shooting the shit with people, ha ha ha, telling jokes, I'm a talker anyway. Whatever. Could read the room. So we go up there, and it was really strange. They put me behind this bar, and I'm like, huh. Baca Scotch Gin, Bourbon Rye Rum. That's how I always set my bar. Baca Scotch Gin, Bourbon Rye Rum. I was told that years ago. That was like the most popular thing. So you got your bottle of Absolute, you got your Dillers. Got your beef eater. Got your JD. Um, then you got your VO. Then you got your Bacardi. They're your six stalemates. Vodka, scotch, gin, bourbon, rye, rum. You ever bartend? That's what you do it. So when you do that with those six, you could almost do it without looking. You're pouring your drinks. You're flipping your glasses. Whatever. That was my scheme. Now the people in this room were pretty impressed by that because they'd order like. A rum and coke. And I would go right to number six, pour the coke, not look. Like, holy shit, this guy's really brilliant. It wasn't brilliant, it was just a creature of habit, right? We're in this room, in this monster suite, the Brigada, and I'm just trying to watch the game. I'm joking around with people. The tips are really good. There's fives, there's tens, there's twenties. One guy started out the hundred. They're all trying to impress the girls and all that shit. And I see this guy run around the room with like a tail feather and the girl's like laughing. And I'm thinking, huh, that was different. Now, a lot of weird, consensual things were going on at this party. I mean, years later, I'm sure you could like get a civil lawyer and sue for this. Wow. Or press criminal charges, oh, yeah. you know, if <laughs> politics are right. Yeah. But I digress. So, I'm not thinking anything of it. Okay. These people are doing what they're doing. Um, an ex-girlfriend walks in. Now, this girl was a pretty wild girl. She was a cocktail waitress. She comes up, and she's like, tequila straight up, B. Like, hey, how you doing? She says, I can't believe you, Mr. Clean Cut, are at this party. I say, hey, listen. They offered me some money to be here. I'm in town from law school. You know, she's but you, Mr. Straight Lacer here? Oh, you know, you got the games on, Brigada's sweet. I'm not catching anything yet, right? Yeah. And one of my geek friends who ended up with this girl, spoiler alert, he is, like, mesmerized by her. It's like, you know her? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of. And these weird people keep coming in. Now... One of the clues 
that was kind of weird is my geek, one of the geek friends, he's staring at this girl like she's the second coming or something, right? And he says to me, why is that man giving her money? <laughs> wow. In Atlantic City, prostitution was quite a big thing. But if you were in the Brigada Suite, this was high-end stuff. None of my business, right? There's lines of coke going on. There's prostitution. There's this. There's that. Okay. So then, this little quiet one comes up. And I dated her briefly before law school. And she goes up to be really nervous, and she gets a drink. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? How have you been? And she's real shy and quiet as little thing you ever saw. Little tiny thing. Hey, B, I, I, I can't believe you're here. Bartender, get this. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. He saw me downstairs. We were playing poker. He asked me to come on bartend. She goes, can I have a glass of white wine? I'm like, sure. So I'm pouring her a Chardonnay and we're shooting the breeze. And um, this was one of these people, and you know what I'm talking about right now. Okay? Yeah. Quietest girl you ever saw, but when she got liquor in her, holy shit. So as she downs her glass of Chardonnay, she starts banging her head against the music, and the hair's flying everywhere. And um, I'm like, okay. I never saw that side of her. Hey, you know, I'm in from law school. Uh, haha, good times. I'm watching the game. Got a hundred bucks on each game. There's two games going on, and that was big money for me back then. I'm making this money bartending, and um, this is when things took a weird turn. So, <laughs> um, I'm bartending, and I'm seeing all these very interesting characters come in, and the characters were like they were like steroid guys. With, like, chaps on. There were girls with, like, Daisy Dukes on. It was a very different scene. And I hear this guy scream, Quiet on the set! I'm like, what? And then I'm seeing these people go at it, and they're like, it's like a porn movie. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? So, I'm bartending at this high-end suite in the casino, which is really a set for pornography. And I'm just, I don't know what to think. Now I'm worried about a character and fitness and stuff like that, because in law school they scared us. You know, you got a parking ticket, he'll never practice. Oh my shit, i got to get the hell out of here. My two geek friends are like, you can't leave, B, you can't leave. And I'm like, dude, I did not intend to bartend on the set of a porn movie. That was unexpected, right? No. <laughs> so I just want to get the hell out of there. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. So my geek friends are like, you can't leave. If you leave, we'll leave. We kill, We want to stay. And I'm like, huh. So. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I want to get out of there. But the geeks were really excited to be there. And one of the geeks says, and I'll call the geeks, we're not friends today. Wait for that. This was a night that changed their lives forever. And it just became a memory to me. But one of the geeks, he grabs my left arm and he goes, B, this is a story we'll tell our grandchildren about. You can't leave. And I'm thinking, I hope I'm not telling my grandchildren that... I was bartending at a porn movie. Weird story. But these two guys were completely infatuated with the girls that I used to go out with who are now supplementing their income by working in this porn at the Brigada. And they're like, if you leave, we can't stay. What do you do here? Like, what do you do? Now, I'm making good money bartending. But, I mean, the night got really odd. It got really strange. And um, this one big bodybuilder comes up to me. And he's like, would you please hold the boom mic? <laughs> I'm not participating 
in this film. I will not hold the boom mic for you, sir. And I'm there, and they're watching these two girls. One was the quiet one who got wide up to Chardonnay. One was the very abrasive, bold one. And they're literally on the set of this B-level porn movie. And I'm making tricks for people in the back. And these geeks I was with from law school fell in love with these girls. One of them married one. Yeah. Get the prenup ready there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After a while, the plot was just really bad. It's really strange. And one of the guys is showing me a script. He goes, hey, you're smart. I heard you write. Like, yeah, I don't write this. I'm like a journalist. I don't write porn. Because what do you think of this script? So, I'm reading the script, right? And I said, this is shit. I mean, there's so many things you should change. And as I said that, this other bodybuilder guy, he walks out of the room crying. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you heard Chris. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, Chris wrote the script. And Chris was, like, suicidal that I said his script was shit. Because he kind of looked up to me. I was the guy in law school. He was the guy who was writing porn and using steroids. I mean, I guess I was up here, even though I'm bartending at the thing. And Chris is devastated. Because in addition to being a writer, he was also one of the actors in it. Like, hey, B, you got to fix this. What are you talking about? Go out and cheer Chris up. So I'm like, okay, how do I do this? Tell him the script's okay. So here's this guy who's like as big as a house, right? With muscles coming out of his ears. And he's looking out the window in the balcony by the Borgata, and he's crying his eyes out. And I go up to him, I put my head on his shoulder, hey man, listen. (laughs) You're not a bad writer. Just got to change a few things. He goes, well, you really don't think I'm a bad writer? No, no. So for like 20 minutes, I'm cheering this guy up. We walk back in together. He feels better. I made some edits, uncredited. But I will tell you that I helped modify this script. I won't tell you guys the name of it. But, I mean, it was, um, I did help improve it. Had to change this, you know. Instead of coffee machine, do that. You get what I'm saying. It had to have some edits in it. Um, after this was over, I, I'll count up my cash. I mean, I had a good night with the money. And, um, no, I didn't make a porn. I edited a porn when I was bartending. God, Emily. Yeah, it's going to get twisted, isn't it? Yeah. Next thing you know, they're going to say it was a porn yeah, or something. Right. I was not in a porn. Let me be very clear. I was a bartender at the Brigada in a suite after playing poker, and I helped edit it, the porn for the poor steroid guy. Let me be very clear on that. God. You hear certain prosecutors down, like, oh, camera, No, no, no. No. Anyway, I digress. Do you guys remember the song Foolish Games? By Jewel. Good song, right? After the movie was over, they had something called an intro. Now, the intro is when this one woman would sing. And everybody's like, they're saying, oh, come on, you could sing, you could sing, you could sing. And I'm, I'm watching, like, oh, here, she's got... So this one guy... He's playing the piano, and she starts singing Foolish Games by Jewel. Good song. I'll post it later. But here's where things went different. The guy who she was dating, I guess, facial hair dude, he was like her muse, if you would. And if you know the songs, the Foolish Games, it was really weird, man. Um... Hold on. 
I want to pull these lyrics. So I want to really live it for a minute, okay? All right. So, and this guy, now, they're, like, doing a live video. You took your coat off, stood in the rain, you were always crazy like that. So this guy takes his coat off, and he starts pouring a water bottle on him. Now, you're sitting there like, this is weird. Then she gets into this one line... Where she goes, you're too cool to care. He goes, I'm too cool to care. He's like doing these echoes and stuff. And it went on and on and on. And she's given this emotional, stirring rendition of Jules' Foolish Games. And this guy, he's like living vicariously through it and like acting out the scenes. Uh, eventually, the night was over. And um, I got the hell home. You know, and I gotta tell you, I I really felt sane. I felt good about myself. My two geek friends left with the two girls I knew. One of them married one. And hey, Mayor Ken, how are you? And um, the other one, they dated for a while, and one of them dropped out of law school. He got really into the scene with her, and um, yeah. So, what started out as a fun night of poker, a stress reliever, ended up with me bartending, and then editing this porn, making good money, cheering up the steroid guy, and then watching this rendition of Foolish Games with this girl's boyfriend acting out the parts. You had to be there. It was the glorious year of 2006. By the way, for those who keep it track at home, the Miami Heat won it all that year. A young Dwayne Wade led the Heat to an NBA championship. All right. Now, for those of you questioning my sanity, anything else you want to add? Good job. Pretty good. Right? Yeah. All right. All right. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. Oh, we're live. Yeah. Live audiences lose, but I was, I was trying to feel safer because this is a crazy one. This is a crazy one, right? All right, make sure your volume's up. All right, I mean, and that's, I felt like with this hoodie on, I'd be a little more protected, but, um, oh, we'll go back to normal. Is that better? All right. He, he knows. The live audience knows. I am Bill Amadeo from, you know where, right? McManus Lamadea and Graham Associates and the Shiawassee Six. Six! And uh, what a weird day, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, traveling and. Mm, man, I'll tell you what. People were asking about last night's lives, so we're coming back right at you. And I will tell you about the crazy girl whose husband, I know they were married, put a gun to my head. I'll tell you about the whole day. It was, there were some red flags though. You know, I mean, I missed some serious red flags. Mm-hmm. You know, it was bad. I mean, I just like I was oblivious. You know, God. Before we get into that though, I wanna. Hey, Christy Carey. Six. <laughs> Before we get into that, I learned today. That Elwood Roberts passed away. Elwood, and actually Chris Ford passed away too. I'm going to talk about both these people briefly. Elwood Roberts was a security guard at Atlantic City High School. He coached basketball on certain levels. He was such a great community leader. Somebody that kids could look up to. Um, Even though I wasn't a great athlete, he was always nice to me. He'd see me trying hard at the gym, always gave me words of encouragement. 
And he was only like 50 when he passed away. It's way too young to die. Elwood Roberts was really a great man. And I was really sad to hear about his passing today, even though he passed away like 1998. I didn't know about it. You know what it's weird? How you can be a certain place, then you move on, right? And you lose touch with things. You lose touch with people. And you could relate that when you move from state to state. Mm -hmm. Like, things change. As you change, geography or whatever, the world changes. And, um, oh, hold on, we're freezing. It's freezing right now. Hold on, we got technical difficulty, guys. That's kind of my zone there, too. Hold on. We are... We are trying to get back. Am, am I um? Am I good now? We good? I think we're good. Can you check the Facebook? Guys, I apologize. It looks like okay. I think we're we're back. All right. Sorry, we had technical difficulty. Yeah, Elwood Roberts. He was a great man. Chris Ford. Chris Ford played on championship teams with the Boston Celtics. He coached the Sixers for a minute. Chris Ford grew up in our old neighborhood. Much older than me, obviously. But he was somebody who we all looked up to. He was one of the first ones to make it out. He was so poor. He had to eat at friend's house. And he went to Villanova, became a star, had a great NBA career. Um, great coaching career. He died at 74, which is way too young to mm -hmm. die. And, you know, basketball is such a powerful thing that brings people together. And the fact that Elwood Roberts and Chris Ford, both those people were, in my opinion, legends in Atlantic City. Um, they both became legends through basketball. And uh, they're both going to be really missed. You know who else was a legend with basketball was uh, Phil Leonetti. Before he became a mafia rat, um, he was really good at basketball at Holy Spirit High School. But Phil Leonetti, look him up. He was part of the Scarpo family. But I digress. Let's talk about July 26, 2004. Have you ever been in that oh shit situation? You know you've been there, right? Oh, gosh. Live audience knows what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. you, you take a lot of pressure off me. You know, when you're here, I just feel like we can flip the ball back to each other. That's good. I mean, I know you don't want to come on camera, but you're really helpful. Thank you. Your friendship is valued. Thank you. And you've heard some about this. Oh, yeah. But July 26, 2004, that was the day it almost ended for me. Um, that was the day that a gunman came into my condo. And, uh, you know, and it's funny because I had guns put to my head and stabbings growing up in my youth, but now I had made it out. We got the house in Ventnor, and I moved back to Atlantic City, but like in a nicer part of Atlantic City. I'm on the boardwalk, and, you know, it's safe. And I had a very colorful dating history. And, you know, and Mike McCartney can relate to this. I mean, are crazy magnets, right? I mean... And this girl was cray, cray. And I I missed a lot of signs. Let me tell you about her a little bit. She was a cocktail waitress. Adorable. And you would think butter would melt in her mouth. And you know, it's really weird because when people are not that bright, you don't pick up on it if they don't talk. And she was very quiet. Until a couple glasses of red wine got in her. And then she was chatting it up. And boy, when um she got talking, mm, it, wasn't, it wasn't great. She wasn't that sharp. Wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. But she seemed nice enough. So she actually asked me out. And she said, hey, listen, I don't want my business out there. I'm really into you. And um, I just think we should start dating, but I don't want anybody at Tropicana knowing about this. And that made sense, right? It was logical. And I had these plans to go to law school, and her and I were on again, off again for maybe two years, actually. It was a long one. 
And I remember the first night I went to go pick her up. And I said to her, hey, well, give me your address. I'll come pick you up. She goes, what, are you crazy? <laughs> this is your first clue. Why wouldn't she want me to pick her up at her house? Well, <laughs> she told me to meet her on the side of her house. And sometimes when she came into the car, she was running. <laughs> she wasn't running because she was in danger. She was running because her husband was in the house. And I didn't know about that. I was like, wow, uh, she's so you really, you're really fast. She goes, oh, thank you. Let's go. Everyone's out warm up the car. She goes, what are you waiting for? Go, go. Like, okay. And there were other clues I missed. Um... We always hung out on this one particular night of the week. And she used to say to me, well, we have to end our night by 1.30. Because I got to get dropped off at this casino by 2. Now, I didn't realize her husband worked at the casino. So I was dropping her off back to him. And I got to tell you, there were nights when he got an early out. When things got really weird. We'd be like hanging out, be 11 o'clock at night, back at the condo. And she would say, hey, we gotta go now. Like, oh, okay. I'm really dumb. And you gotta understand, I'm dumb with this situation. I mean, even though there's this intellectual ability, I was really stupid. I'm young, I'm going off to law school soon. So I just figured, you know, she's dating me and these other guys. It is what it is. So... I'm catching on. Now, I'm not realizing that they're married with kids. I'm thinking she just is dating me and somebody else. All right, whatever. What do I care at that point? Mm -hmm. So then I start dating somebody else. The rules didn't go the same way, apparently. When she found out I was dating this other young woman, who was also a cocktail waitress, um, it, they were very different personalities. She told me I was cheating on her. And I'm like, well, that's impossible. So I think you have a boyfriend. I know how serious the relationship was, but that's what I thought. Like, how, I'm not cheating on you. We're both, like, just playing the field. And the other girl I was seeing, she didn't care what your situation was. She was just a player. So, I mean, I'm not going to fall in love with these people. I'm just, you're there. You're a kid. And in August of 2004 I go off to Cooley and this was not going to go over well with the girl she was pissed you're leaving you're going to Michigan and you're never going to come back so she told me I had to make a choice it was her or law school <laughs> and I told her I'm sorry I'm going to law school and she told me, well, if you go up to law school, we're going to see each other again, and we'll just break up now. So, oh, I understand. But she wouldn't leave the apartment after she said that. I'm like, or, or are you leaving? Because you said we're done. And like, oh, my God, just leave, right? No. And we, there were a lot of things that should have been red signs. There was a show in 2004 that we used to watch. Called The Littlest Groom. You ever hear of it? No. It was only one for a couple shows. The Littlest Groom was a reality show about this little dwarf. And it was like a bachelor for a dwarf. And the little guy has this pick of all these pretty little women. But then like in the middle of the series they bring in these regular sized women. And he's like picking between them. And he was a chef I think. And he considers himself a ladies man and he was telling them how even if the winner gets a ring it's not a promise ring it's not an engagement ring i'm calling the shots i'm the littlest groom and then the girls were really cocky and it was glenn and mika end up together now the girl i'm dating at the time she asked me to tape this show so it was bad enough watching it but now i'm taping it and i, I gotta admit i mean after a while trash tv became interesting mm -hmm. But after the show got canceled, and this is what drove me nuts, we kept watching this show over and over again. Okay, He ends up with Mika. We saw this four times now. But every week, she would watch this show over and over again. 
And I'm just sitting there like, Jesus. As I'm about to leave for law school, you know, you're getting tired of the little scroom. You're dealing with her drama. You think she's got a boyfriend on the side. She's pissed off you're seeing other people. She told me we were not going to see each other anymore because I was going to go off to law school. Okay, fine. Now, I lived in a gated community in this um, condo. Mm -hmm. And one night, I walked back from the casino, and she leaves one of her gloves on my antenna. That was her way of saying hello. Nothing creepy there, right? No. So then she's called me all night, did you find my glove? <laughs> yeah, it was on the antenna. I, I knew it was your glove, because she always wore these certain types of gloves. And she then says, okay, I've made a decision for us. What's up? Let me hear what you got. She says, I'm going to come to Michigan with you. Are you crazy? No, you're not coming to Michigan with me. She says, well, I'm leaving him and I want to be with you and I'm coming to Michigan. Like, okay, okay, look. I don't know what the deal is with him. I don't know the whole story. I mean, I'm catching some pretty big signals, right? I mean, you're running from the house to get in the car. I'm dropping you off at the casino. Um, you're leaving gloves mittens on my door you're making weird threats you're saying i'm cheating on you you're watching littlest groom constantly like how many times can you watch that okay get it it's over right and i say to her two days before july 26 2004 i said look we've had a good run Okay, I know things were weird. I know there were things I didn't know about, but you know, we're done. And I'm going to go off to Michigan. And you're going to stay here in Jersey. And um, we're just going to go our separate ways. But, you know, and what I did, and this was a mistake, I got her a party gift. I got her two gifts. One were very expensive diamond earrings, expensive by the time, you know. And the second was a snow globe. Hmm, that was bad. So she takes the gifts and she goes, You're going to pay for this. I'm like, well, I just wanted you to have something to remember me by. And I'm just being nice. I'm thinking if I give her a nice gift. I'm going to exit easily enough. Wrong. Um, in July 26, 2004, the Phillies are playing the Marlins. Kevin Millwood gets rocked. AJ Burnett pitches a great game. I may be two weeks from Cooley. I'm sitting at my condo, and <laughs> there is a knock on the door. And I look out, and there's a guy with a gun. I know who it is. It's the guy I saw by the casino when I would drop her off. This is going to be good. And I'm like, what do I do? Do I not answer the door? I'm not going to call the cops. He's inside this gated community with a gun. Somebody's going to see him. This will end, right? And he tells me, if you don't open the door, I'm going to shoot through the door. You ever had that happen? No. It's not good. No. It's not a good feeling when the guy has a gun, he tells you he's going to shoot through the door. I don't know what to really think at this point what's going through my mind because i'm like two weeks from potentially never truly being in atlantic city again and here's this nut who's mad i've been hooking up with his wife which i didn't know was his wife and he's probably gonna kill me but if i let him in i have a chance if i don't let him in, he's gonna shoot through the door and just kill me and um, he tells me to sit on the bed. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be bad. And he's sweating, like, really bad. Like, he's high and he's nervous. And, like, he was doing drugs. He's drinking out of this water bottle. It probably had vodka in it. I mean, this guy is in the worst way. He's stoned. He's high. He's got a loaded gun. He's pointing it at me. He's pissed off at me and his girl. Oh, shit. And we're watching the game, and he starts watching the game with me. 
And um, he goes, who'd you bet? He knew I bet sports. Oh, I bet the Phillies. It's not going really well. He goes, do you mind if I change the channel? Now, I don't really view myself in a position of power right now. If the guy with the loaded gun who's uninvited in my house wants to change the channel, I hand him the remote. There you go, sir. He puts on MTV. And uh, he was telling me I was a big Sujan Pak fan. Sujan Pak was this MTV news anchor. And he's going on and on about Sujan Pak. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like Sujan Pak. She's good. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I bet if you go home, you could talk more about this. So I'm not going anywhere. He goes, I, I, and he tells me, I'm really on the fence. I'm going to kill you or not tonight. So tell me how you first got into Sujan Pak. I, like, I'm doing, I'm trying to pull stuff out. And it felt like even though he wasn't using drugs in front of me and he was intoxicated coming to the door, it felt like he was getting higher as the night went on. God. Yeah, it was messed up, right? Yeah. And 2004, MTV did play a lot of videos. And I had really bad luck here. There's certain songs I won't listen to today because of that night. There's this wave of videos that come on. And we're watching these videos together. Now, mind you, he's sweating profusely, got the loaded gun. We're sitting on this bed together, watching MTV. And the first song that comes on, and I never saw the video, but I knew the song was I Don't Want to Know by Mario Wayans. Now, if you never saw this video, I'll, I'll post it later as uncomfortable as it is. It's about a guy who knows his girlfriend is cheating on him. And he's like, hey, I don't care. I still want to be with you. And in the video, Mario is sitting in a tub with all his clothes on. And he gets out of the tub. Now, I want you to think, I'm going to die if we're going to law school. Listen to Mario Wayans, this poor bastard. And there's a part of the song where P. Diddy starts singing. I know what you're doing, blah, 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 blah. And he starts singing the song. And he's waving the gun and dancing and singing the P. Diddy song. And I'm like, oh my God. What the hell do I do? Because if somehow I get out of the house, he's going to just shoot me in the way out, right? I got to get this man to leave. I got to make it his idea. And while he's singing Mario Wayne's while high, I'm thinking, huh. So, I had an idea. Um, one of the girls I saw periodically liked Bailey's. She liked Bailey's Irish cream and she would drink it straight. And I'm thinking maybe if he's drinking a little more, there's two things to go here, right? Maybe he'll fall asleep. Or... Maybe it will make him more angry or loose with the gun. I don't know, but I, I gotta do something. Mm -hmm. So I said, hey, would you like some Baileys? I, I would. So I pour him this big thing of Baileys. I'm sitting there drinking my Gatorade. And um, we're just chatting it up. Two guys drinking Baileys and Gatorade, watching Mario Wayans at my apartment in 2004. And He's telling me all these things. So as he got drunk, he gets nicer now. And he's like, you know, you may not notice about my wife, but she's more wild than you might think. And I'm like, you know shit. <laughs> but I don't say that. Right? Like, oh yeah, no kidding. Because I think she's been involved in different situations. And I'm thinking, B, shut up right now. <laughs> because if this guy knows how well you know his crazy wife. You're dead. So I'm playing it really dumb. Yeah. So what do you think of Bailey's? How did you start drinking Bailey's? Tell me that story. Well, I was um, working in the casino, and one of my friends loved coffee in the morning with Bailey's. And I thought it was crazy to drink Bailey's in the morning, but I enjoyed coffee. And he laughs like, oh, that's great. <laughs> I get it. The Bailey's and coffee. Man, you are a funny son of a bitch. Oh, thank you. Please don't kill me. I'm thinking of myself. 
Um, the next song that came on was Avril Lavigne, Happy Ending. Now, I gotta tell you, these songs are like three minutes long. They, it was like an accent in slow motion. It's like the song never ended. Now, I don't want to know is bad. Happy Ending is about Avril Lavigne singing about this guy that she's not going to be with and how it ended badly. And he, like a valley girl, starts singing parts of the song with her. Thanks for knowing that you cared. I'm like, oh, and all the guns waving, the Bailey's is drinking. I'm like, oh God, but he's getting nicer as the Bailey's is going down. Please let me get out of this one. I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I'm like, mm, I'd really like to call it Mary and Mom one last time. They're still alive at this point. And then, um, she will be loved by Maroon Five comes on. And he starts crying his eyes out. But he puts the gun down. The gun's here. And I'm like, let me go run for the gun. And he's crying. He's like, you know, I really love her so much. I'm like, yeah. You know, I think you guys could work things out. He's like, do you? I said, well, listen. She actually told me how she wasn't really into me anymore. And she wanted, she really had feelings for you. And I didn't know you guys are married, but... Um, he goes, well, we like to keep our relationship private. You know, we last thing I want to do is get involved in drama. So I hear you. Jesus. So he's just telling me how he wants to work things out. And he loves her so much. And I'm like, you know, she told me how she could never feel for me the way she feels for you. And not relieve the hell out of him. I think, will he buy this shit? Am I going to survive right now? And like, Would you like some more Baileys? Because I realized... The more Baileys that went in, the nicer he got. But when she will be loved, I actually like that song by Maroon 5 because that kind of, I looked at it as like a lifeline. Because he felt, and, and the song's horrible as far as the message in the video. Because the guy's like hooking up with his girlfriend's mother. It's very weird. But it is kind of a love song and he was connecting to it. And subjectively, I don't know what this poor drunken high man was thinking, but I'm like, hey. You guys could work things out. Now, it's probably like 2 o'clock in the morning at this point. And we've been in the house for, God, it's been like six hours or something. You know, and he was just talking and talking. And now I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm talking for my wife. He's talking for his wife. And I'm like, get me out of here. So finally, he goes, I'm really tired. He goes, I don't know what I should do. Should I crash at your place? Should I get a hotel? Or should I just leave? And I'm like, well, you know what I always do in times like this? What's that? I drink lemon-lime Gatorade, and I go for a long walk. Helps me a lot. Because really... No kidding, I tell you. I, so I got this law school thing going on. So, oh, by the way, did I tell you I'm leaving for Michigan so I will never be near your wife again? Well, that's good to know. Like, meanwhile, ironically, I had about 10 missed calls from his wife. Which, they got my cell phones over there. Do you need to get that? No, no. You're the priority tonight, sir. Tonight's about you and your problems. So I'm, I'm talking up this Gatorade shit now. I got a Bailey's and Gatorade. I'll always be fond of both these things. So, so, so I, if I were you, I'm just spitting off here, right? Why don't you take a Gatorade, go for a nice walk, and I'll even give you cab money if you want. You shouldn't drive in this condition. Because I'm parked a few blocks away. Oh, you know what? Here. Here's 50 bucks for a cab, and here's some Gatorade. Could you do that for me? I would! And, um... He takes the Gatorade, we shake hands, and he leaves. Um, Now, I'm watching him go down the stairs. I'm thinking, oh my god, is he really going to go? Because you don't know. Like, am I going to leave the house? He's going to turn around and shoot me? He left. He left. And, um... <sighs> Not good! That was, um... You know, the Adderall Levine happy ending and the Mario Wayne's video. Oh, God. I, I get chills down my spine with that shit. But I'll tell you, She Will Be Loved, that was like the light at the end of the tunnel. 
mean, there were other videos that came on, but those three, I'm like, why are these songs that relationships going wrong coming up right now? Please. And um, Bailey's, Gatorade, and Maroon 5. So tonight, just so we're clear. Um, Mike, I don't think he had a permit. Mike says he, he didn't have a permit to carry. No, but he did go home. And she told me, before I went off to law school, how things were amazing with them. And, um, yeah, I was very happy for them. I also know one of my closest friends at Tropicana was hooking up with her oh. the minute I got to the Pennsylvania border when I was leaving. Because he told me about it years later. He goes, well, you know, me and her, and we got together. I'm like, no kidding. Because this guy, I mean, he would hook up with a snake and it would stay still. <laughs> uh, yeah, um. But I, I kind of told my friend, I said, look, dude, you and her can be together, do whatever you want. But I got to tell you, um, I had a very interesting experience. And it was enough to scare the living shit out of me. Um, uh, the glove was certainly an indicator of craziness. The dropping you off on the side of the building. These were all things that, eh, you know, six of one, if doesn't matter. Anyway. Live to tell. I will post those videos. And I am going to... I'm going to work this weekend, but I'm going to enjoy life a little bit because... You know... Um, it's a hell of a ride. What do you think? Yeah, it's yeah. scary. All right. All right, I am Bill Amadeo. From McManus Amadeo, great little associate of the Shiawassee 6. And a survivor of... July 26th, Have a good one. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.